This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 246 of the Dressage Radio Show, part of the Horse Radio Network. This episode is brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products at kppusa.com. This is Reese Coppler Stanfield from Georgetown, Kentucky. And this is Philip Parks from Fergus, Ontario, and you're listening to the Dressage Radio Show. Hi, Reese. Hey, Philip. How are you? How doing? are you? I'm uh, great. How are well, you? Well, I just had a little bit of a rant again <laughs> about the weather, but um, we won't go on too much about that. And we now won't. I'm, doing, I'm doing okay <laughs> we... and I'm feeling fine. So, uh, yeah, it's just uh, feels like a very <laughs> short week for us. We're trying I to get know, this done a little start. early. Yeah, we just did our last show a couple of days ago, and we're getting ready to go to Florida. So I see the light at the end of the tunnel, at least for us. Um, but yes, <laughs> it us. has been a challenge. I, I um, It's been a challenge, for sure. Yesterday we worked, we did, actually it was quite fun yesterday. Um, we hit 30 degrees, which was literally 25 degrees warmer than the day before. So we felt like we were in Florida, and everybody <laughs> came out to ride. Okay. Um, and it was That's quite fun. fun. It yeah. really was fun. It was like a ride school and the horses I think had a great time at one time there were like six horses in my ring and <laughs> I was sitting under my heater coaching everybody it was really quite fun so was I'm everybody whole... nose to nose to tail like <laughs> nose to tail. School? no they were they were like they were, <laughs> they they were doing their thing yeah oh, okay. they were doing their thing everyone's smiling and relatively warm so it was it was good so uh, uh you know hopefully everybody got a little reprieve but yeah it's it's rough <laughs> but that's okay, that's that's okay. okay. We've got a great show tonight, and we're looking forward. Uh, We are going to have lots and lots and lots of great stuff next week when we get back uh, from Global Dressage Forum North America. So it's going to be a much-needed break for us, and we hope we can bring that to everybody for sure. Yeah, I mean, of course, we're really looking forward to it, and uh, you know, we'll do a little networking, see if we can get some great guests on and talk to people about the show. So, um, you know, that's why we're doing things a little early, because we both have to prepare. we don't have a lot of time this week to be doing uh, doing the show. So for us, yeah. it's uh, it's Sunday at the moment. So yes, it is Sunday. <laughs> if something huge happened this week, don't say like, oh, Reese and Phil, they don't live in <laughs> reality. We're it. just doing this early, yeah. <laughs> and then we can get to everything, lots of stuff um, the following week. But uh, thank goodness we, we have some results from, we were talking about the big four-star, big money show going on uh, over the weekend so we have some of the results here and a little bit of news to get to before uh, before we get to our show so so what's going on Reese what's, what's okay so we've got some results from the four-star and three-star competition at the global dressage festival it's the fifth week of competition that just happened this weekend and on Saturday at the stadium at Palm Beach International Equestrian Center featuring the four-star and three-star Saturday special four-star uh, was won by Adrian Lyle. Uh, she was on our Olympic team last year and or two years ago, and aboard Wizard. He's a 15-year-old Oldenburg gelding by Veltmeyer, owned by Peggy Thomas, and they scored a 70.353 for the win with Megan Lane from Canada, and Caravella was second with a 69.922. Yep, and the uh, the four-star Grand Prix was won by. Lars Peterson and that horse, uh, lovely Mar- uh, Mariette. Um, second place, Tina Konya, which we haven't seen out in competition yet this season. And I guess this is her first uh, big show. 
um, and Collecto V. So that was uh, nice to see her back. Looks like a top four. And there's a 75.5% for Tina. And then uh, Michaela Gunderson with My Lady in third of the 72. Um, the Grand Prix, the regular Grand Prix was also won by Lars Peterson with Mariette, 70%. Adrian Lyle was second in that class, and Michaela Winther Gunderson was third. Um, and Shelly Francis, who I think this might have been her first show this season as well, with Doctor, was uh, fourth. So congratulations to all those uh, who did well in the uh, three-star and four-star competition this weekend. It was a big one, and uh, I guess kind of the first the first big show, you know, we saw a lot of uh, big names in this show. It looks like the classes were pretty full. Probably a very busy weekend uh, at Global Dressage Festival this uh, this weekend. So, uh, hopefully, we can we can go and see some of these riders and see how they're doing and uh, and check out what's you know all the other good stuff going on in Florida this week. Yeah, I know. There's no show going on this weekend. I maybe no, maybe a national show, but there's no CDI this weekend. No. No. So I'm kind of bummed we don't get to see a CDI, but I'm sure we'll get to talk to lots of people that have, so that'll be fun. So also, Stefan Peters, it was a big, big weekend, and he was in California. Stefan Peters rode legless in their first competition in five months, post the highest score to date for the partnership, winning the Grand Prix at California Dressage Society San Diego Midwinter Show on Saturday. Um, and it was the first outing for Rosamund. One, uh, they won the Prix St. George, and that's his young horse. And um, the score for Legolas was an 81.914. Woo! Uh, the next little piece of news that came out is the officials for the Alltech FEI World Equestrian Games have been decided. The ground jury for dressage at the World Equestrian Games, uh, following a blind draw at the FEI's headquarters in Lausanne, Sweden. Nope, sorry, that's Switzerland. Overseen by the FEI's legal team. I guess it's a big deal to pick the ground yeah, jury. Yeah, geez, I had no idea. <laughs> Holy smokes. So the ground jury uh, includes President Isabel Judet from uh, France, supported by members Elizabeth McMillan from Canada, Suzanne Hovenars from uh, Austria, Stephen Clark, Great Britain, Lisalette Four uh, from the U.S., G- uh, Dietrich Playwau, Play- Playva. Sorry, from Germany. Francis Verbeek from Netherlands. And reserve member uh, Suzanne Barup uh, from Denmark. I guess there's uh, they're using the judges' supervisory panel. Includes Dieter Schule from Germany. Grisland Forage from Netherlands. David Hunt from Great Britain. And Maribel Alonso from Mexico. So... Um, a lot of you know famous judging names. It's you know it's kind of a big deal. You know to be yeah. to be picked to judge the World Equestrian Games is a big honor, and uh, it'll be great. I mean, it's just gearing up for this. It's, it's the big games of 2014, so we're all looking forward to it. I'm sure more little tidbits of news will be coming out as we come, you know, as it gets closer and closer. So, um, you know, big excitement. It only happens every four years, and we get so much uh, great news and great video from uh, the World Equestrian Games. So. Uh, it'll be great. I guess that'll be our I next know. thing to be. That's to be our next out. big thing. To and then Glenn, right. Glenn will be sending it. us there to cover it, right? I know, Glenn. Nah, he, <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> we would love that. that Let's would talk. Be that. Let's get him back on the show. Where has he been yeah, for he so long? Not huh? on the show tonight to say no. So, hmm, it's kind of like at a board meeting when you're absent. Yeah, huh. what we say goes. <laughs> we got a majority here. So. <laughs> we get a majority no on the show. 
Well, that would be awesome. Well, um, in other news, Catherine Bates and Chandler and Wellinette, they topped the three-star Grand Prix classes. They won with a 69.280. Australian Kelly Lane narrowly finished second, 69.240 um, on Udon P. And Michael Verison on Allegra, they finished third. So that was exciting news from the three-star. And Catherine Bates and Chandler doing a great job on her new mare. So definitely a fun combination to watch for sure. So we're trying to give everybody some other news and, and, and events in Florida. If you so want to go, we're, we're kind of getting to the end or, or middle of the season. So um, there is the Save the Date for the second annual Solid Gold USET Foundation Benefit Dinner held at Global Dressage. A facility VIP tent, March 15th, 2014. And this is a benefit to, to benefit all the riders going to the 2014 World Equestrian Games and the High Performance Program. 100% of the money raised from ticket sales, auction item, and donations will go directly to the high performance athletes and programs. All donations are tax deductible. So um, I'm sure there will be some uh, other information on the USET Foundation website, but that would be a fun event to go to. Those are great fun to, to go and enjoy, and um, you will have a great, great time. So that's another event in Florida to keep an eye out for. So, Phil, we have a great show tonight. We have some uh, a good friend of ours, Cassandra Hummert-Johnson, is coming on. And um, she's going to talk about, she's working on her fitness certificate, uh, personal training certificate, excuse me. And she's going to give us some great exercises to kind of get us back in the swing of things. I'm, I, don't, I know you're, you and I are constantly complaining that all we want to do is sit in the house under a warm blanket. <laughs> I have been... <laughs> Watching the Olympic Games a lot. I love Olympic fever, but um, I haven't been working out, just been looking at how fit they are. So uh, this is a great way to, to get started and, and get us all sort of back in the swing of things for sure. And then to finish the show, you and I are going to do a listener question. We have been promising Vera for a long time we would answer this question. It's a great listener question. So right after this commercial break, we're going to get started and we'll be back. Joint Armor from KPP provides your horse with the building blocks necessary to maintain healthy joints throughout his lifetime. Kentucky Performance Products Quality Assurance provides you with the confidence that you are purchasing a safe, high-quality product. Your satisfaction is guaranteed. Joint Armor is concentrated and affordable. One jar lasts a whole 75 days. Joint Armor helps maintain fluid motion and flexibility in your horse's joints. It also supports normal cartilage development and reduces joint deterioration. Learn more about Joint Armor from Kentucky Performance Products and all their other terrific products at kppusa.com. That's kppusa.com. Well, our next guest, Cassandra Hummert-Johnson, a good friend of mine and a USTF bronze, silver, and gold medalist now, is on a new journey to become a personal trainer and is going to specialize in equine and riding because she knows exactly what muscles we need. So she's going to try and get us off the couch and doing some exercises to get ready for this year's sh show season. So Cassie, uh, welcome to the show. Well, it is our pleasure to have Cassandra Hummert-Johnson back on the Dressage Radio Show. She is a bronze, silver, and gold medalist, and she has now started a new adventure in her life, and that is to become a personal trainer. So, Cassie, welcome to the show tonight. Thank you, Reese. 
Well, we love having you back. You came on, gosh, it was a couple years ago now, talking about your career as a young rider. And now you've ridden in the Brentina Cup and you have now started another venture in your life, um, becoming a little uh, personal trainer, actually. Yes, I have. I am working on my certified personal training certificate from the National Academy of Sports Medicine. Well, I love it. So uh, as we have all been kind of, um, I don't know about anyone else, but I am happy to finish my barn work and get uh, into my pajamas and watch the Winter Olympics. So I thought it would be great to have Cassie on to give myself, Philip, and and everybody listening some kind of excitement and uh, just some exercises that we can start doing to be ready when the when it stops snowing. Uh, so we'll be ready for show season and all that good stuff. So Cass, start with your first exercise for us. All right, Reese. I have three exercises that I'm going to talk about today, and each one of them is really uh, for the dressage rider. And there are three different areas that dressage riders usually have problems in. And the first area is if someone comes in for personal training in the gym and they have really overdeveloped biceps. And if they're a rider, I think if you have really strong biceps, I think that you're you're using the reins too much instead of your core, your abs. So to to uh work on that, an easy exercise for anyone to do, even if you're sitting in front of the TV watching the Olympics, is the plank. And I think everyone has an idea of what the plank is, but you start in a push-up position on the ground and then lower yourself on your forearm and hold that by squeezing your abs. And even if you can make it 30 seconds, that's that's good enough. Every day, do a couple seconds more. And the plank really works every muscle in your body, but it'll strengthen your core so that you stop using the reins for balance and can instead use your core and your abs for balance when you're riding. So that's the first exercise I have. Uh, The second exercise is a different part of the body. It's for tight hips. And I know that when I ride, my hips get really tight. And that's really important to uh, be loose in your hips when you're riding so that you can move with the horse. So an exercise for tight hips at home that you can do at home, don't even have to go to the gym, is a side leg swing. And to do the side leg swing, you stand facing a wall and you can lean your hands against the wall out in front of you and you take one leg, swing it out to the side and then across in front of the other leg and swing it like a pendulum. And that's a side leg swing and that'll really help open up your hips so that you're looser there when you're sitting on the horse. And then the last exercise I have isn't really an exercise, it's just a point uh, to make about riding in general is one-sidedness. And horses can be one-sided just like people, but one-sidedness in people is a problem too. If you're really strong on one side and not on the other side, it can make it difficult to properly ride and to use your aids effectively both directions. So one thing that we can think about with one-sidedness that's really easy is just doing things with your other hand. So if you usually curry the horse with your right hand, use the curry comb in your left hand instead. And that'll strengthen even those muscles that you don't even think about, your biceps and your your shoulders and 
and your pectoral muscles, if you use your left hand to carry the horse instead of your right hand, you're working both sides of the body, and that's really important. So all those things are, are uh, good points to think about. They're easy exercises, and they'll help any rider with their dressage work. That's uh, that sounds good. I think you know it's uh, it's tough, especially. I mean, a lot of us haven't really been uh, riding a whole lot, or 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 the horse is working really hard. So I think it's just a great point to think about um, different ways that you can still be active, even if you're indoors a lot, like uh, like me. So um, it's, you know, super. <laughs> like all of us. Yeah, I mean, we're all. I mean, I've just been hunkered in, sort of sort of hibernating and, and not doing a whole lot of that. So, you know, I think, you know, any anything that, that uh, helps us, you know, try to stay a little more active and, uh, you know, um, because I know part of part of not being able to exercise really, you know, it just sets in a little bit with a seasonal affected disorder and then you just feel really crappy and then I just want to go out and yell at everybody. So, you know, that's not really helpful. <laughs> Cranky Philip, everybody. We don't like Cranky <laughs> Philip. I think I've been good so far, but today it was tough. Today. So uh, today yeah, was the day I wanted to, yeah, I wanted to thank you, Cassie, for coming on and uh, and giving us um, some ideas and uh, you know stay active, right, and, and be busy and like like Reese said, you know we're going to be full swing as soon as the weather turns around into you know having to ride a ton of horses and you know and if we've been lumps for a few months, that's not really uh, <laughs> it's not really easy to make that transition. <laughs> yeah, it's always tough coming from the winter to the summer, but we'll get there. And uh, it's important to start to get ready for that because it's just as important for the rider to be fit as the horses to be fit when we get into that show season because we're all athletes. We're the athletes too, not just our horses. So gear up for the summer. I love that. Well, and Cassie, I think you brought up a really good point that I sat here and made a note on myself, and that is we do a lot of stuff uh, – when you said curry with your right hand, I'm like, oh, you're right. I always curry with my right hand. So to think about that as you're doing your chores too, you know, as you're mucking stalls, if you can start to do some on the other side, that is actually a really good point um, to muck maybe with your other hand or curry with your other hand. So I'm going to take that into the barn tomorrow and see how much one-sidedness I do because I'm sure it's a lot. So I appreciate that particular comment because I think that's really going to be helpful for all of us. Yeah, it really is incredible. I, even if you try brushing your teeth with your left hand, it's hilarious. It, it'll make <laughs> your day how hard it is. So it's good to try and create that ambidexterity because it's important, just like it's important with the horses. Excellent. Well, Cassie, if our listeners have any questions, how can they find you online to ask you some more fitness questions? Um, they can contact me. My email is Hummer Johnson C at uky.edu. Great. Thanks so much, Cassie. We'll stay in touch with some more exercises. All right, Reese. Thank you very much, and I will talk to you soon. The Global Dressage Forum North America, the ultimate educational experience where champions meet. After this winter, who won't want to be in Wellington, Florida for the second annual Global Dressage Forum North America, presented by DressageClinic.com. Mark your calendars and book your plane tickets for the event of the season, Saturday, February 15th and Sunday, February 16th at the Jim Brandon Center. 
Some of the world's most recognized dressage experts and educators, including Stefan Clark, international rider Jan Brink, Conrad Schumacher, Christoph Hess, and many, many more will be presenting onstage demonstrations, lectures, interactive discussions, and panels consisting of some of the world's most internationally recognized trainers and judges. Did we mention the shopping in the warm Florida sun in February? The Global Dressage Forum North America 2014 is presenting the highest profile educational gathering ever to be held in North America, encouraging every dressage rider from across the U.S. and Canada to come and participate in this gathering representing dressage education in its finest form. Buy your tickets now as seating is limited. Be sure to use the coupon code USDF, the number 4, DFNA. That's USDF, the number 4, DFNA, all caps for a big savings on your tickets. Visit the website today at globaldressageforumna.com or call them at 561-909-7621. That's 561-909-7621. Let them know you heard about it on the Dressage Radio Show. Well, it is a pleasure for me to have Ann Gribbins, FEI rider, trainer, USEF senior judge, FEI judge, and past USEF technical advisor and coach. Hi, Ann. Thanks for coming on. Thank you for having me. I am delighted to be here. Excellent. Excellent. So first, what I, um, we were just discussing this, I wanted to talk a little bit about the uh, Global Dressage Forum North America that will be happening this week and that you are a part of and, and was a part of last year. I just wanted to ask you, Anne, what do you think about the, the format and, and how it runs and, uh, and does it make this symposium a little bit different than others that you've been involved in? Uh, the when the the most interesting part is perhaps that the panel has the opportunity to ask questions, and uh, I think last year was of course the inaugural affair. Yes. And we had a few uh, little, little hiccups with it that I'm sure Andreas has ironed out this time, um, such as that you know we went a little late. Right. And some of the interviews got a little long. So what what we got from the audience was that they want you know more action <laughs> and right. less talk. Oh, okay. But I do also think once they get the action from the presenters, then they like the questions and answers. You know, then they settle down and they go, okay, now let's now let's ready talk. And talk. they also have the opportunity to ask questions. Yes. So they can really become involved. And I do like the format from that point of view. Yes, I think it's really interesting how um, uh, more than maybe some other clinics and symposiums that uh, you really talk about and get in maybe a little bit to the nitty-gritty of, of the training and, and uh, everybody gets a chance to talk about it a little bit. So I think that's going to be really interesting. This will be, I, didn't, I wasn't there last year, but uh, Reese and I are going down and we're really looking forward to, uh, to seeing how this whole thing comes together and... Uh, I think it's exciting to have, you know, different opinions because we all come from maybe a little bit di- uh, a different perspective with training and uh, and hopefully through discussion, it helps everyone understand, uh, you know, everything a little bit better. So really looking forward to it. I think it always does, especially if they have the opportunity to to voice their opinion once they have listened to or watched what's yeah. going on. And yeah. we have a very interesting lineup of people. We did last year as well. Uh, but there's a variety of, you know, riders, 
and judges and clinicians, and they all have something to offer, something to bring to the table. So it's it's or it's people that everybody has heard of or, or you know know, and they like that. Yes, yes, I think that's I think that's great. Yeah, a lot of great writers that I've uh, that I've seen before and trainers, and uh, I think everybody adds. You know, the more that we can add a little bit, you know, I think the horses get get trained better, and the education goes a little bit further. So I think it's going to be really fun. Really looking forward to it. Yeah, and I think they really capitalized this year on people that, that are in Florida. Uh, you know, so such as Tina, who is here for the third year, I believe, yeah. and now understands our way of doing things and thinking, and I think uh, has added a lot to the whole Florida scene. Uh, and Stephen Clark, of course, who is now, you know, our head honcho amongst judges. That's right. And can really answer some of those questions. And he was on the panel last year. Uh, but now he's one of the presenters. So that be should be yeah, interesting. Now, be we can, now we can grill him a little bit. <laughs> Give him a little <laughs> bit of a hard time. Yeah, Yeah. right. And Jan Brink is somebody, of course, I know all these Swedes very well yes. um, before. So, so it's great to see them here and partaking. I really enjoy that personally. Excellent, excellent. So the main reason, actually, that we wanted to have you on today is because we've been getting a lot of questions from our listeners about the new FEI tests. So maybe um, you can introduce um, the, I, I believe there's two new levels. Maybe you can introduce us to the new, two new levels and, and um, you know, why they were created and how they fit in with the old FEI tests that we know, uh, pre-St. George, Intermediaire, and Grand Prix. Well, it was um, an idea that was born in the FEI dressage committee, which I was on at for four years, and just my you know time just ran out on that, but I was still on it when this was introduced and it's uh, and we we tried to have a level that would carefully and slowly introduce the grand Prix horse to the things that you know we later on want to see in in a more perfected form at the grand Prix and um, the intermediate too is quite close to Grand Prix in many ways. And for some horses, that step from pre-St. George, Intermediaire 1 to Grand Prix is like a whole new sport because of the addition of the Piaf and Passage and the requirements of collection and the more, the tighter pirouettes, you know, the better self-carriage, all this. So this was created, I think, mainly by by Katrina Wurst but presented to the research committee while I still was on it. And we also thought it would be a very good thing to present to the developing countries, some of which don't have Grand Prix horses to any extent yet, but they look, you know, to help them to get into that level without the demands of the actual Grand Prix. So this was the thinking. But we were surprised to find that it was adopted and really liked by competitors all over, over, including the European um, competitors, because they think this is a great opportunity to bring the young horses to a show. You know, they can still ride in an FEI test and get points or whatever. And they can bring their not-quite-ready Grand Prix horse to come to the shows with them. They don't have to sit at home in the barn, and they have something to do, and they can learn. Right, so it's a little bit of a, a, a test to be able to expose the horse maybe to um, you know, big arenas and big crowds. Is, is that the idea? 
That's the idea, and also expose them to having to do Piaf and Passage in the ring, which sometimes when you bring your previous pre-St. George, your small tour horse, as we call it, to the big tour, the horse's eyes get big, and he goes, you have to be joking. I'm not going to, you know, I practice this at home, but I'm not going to do it in here, you know, for real, in public. And it's sometimes a shock to their system, and it takes them about a year to get used to it. Here, here it's a little bit less than it's all in there. Everything is in there, but the requirements and directives are less demanding. For example, the Piaf is really presented within parentheses as a half step, which means that you can move forward as much as two meters. Now, that's pretty far. Yeah. And it's usually presented from either the collected trot or the walk, that's in the B test, collected trot in the A test, so that then that's how we practice it. That's how we first introduce it. Some horses do better from the collected trot to the piaf, and some are fine from the walk to the piaf. But we don't necessarily can connect the piaf and passage and the transitions until later on. So the A test is set up to accommodate that. So we do piaf and passage separately, not necessarily with transitions, and that's how we train many of our horses. They think of it as two different things. Right. And, right. Uh, and, and that is for the A test. And it also doesn't uh, ask for more than five to tempi changes, which is, you know, easier than nine. Yeah. And uh, then we do the pirouettes on the, on the short diagonal, which is more like the intermediate one. And seven flying changes every stride. So the whole thing is watered down a little bit. Yeah, right. the same requirement, but with a, with a milder touch, so to speak. So an easier transition from small tour to, to big Correct. tour. Correct. And yeah. easier than intermediate two even, which we did fix up a bit. We changed that stupid thing, run, you know, passaging right into the wall. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> so the intermediate two is easier to ride, but it, it's more demanding than this. Than, than this, yeah. So, yeah. so we have a whole bunch of levels where all kinds of horses can fit in depending on their yeah, training exactly. and their and maturity. And the, the real beginner Grand Prix horse can do it, you know, sniff on this a little bit, but we are only kidding. You know, it's not, right. we're not asking the judges are not going to be as demanding on that perfect PF, and the transitions aren't, aren't even there much in the A test. The B test gets a little bit trickier with sharper half passes. And, um, you know, the, the PRs from, from also from the collected walk, but then some more interesting transitions back and forth. Uh, one thing in the B test that is difficult and interesting is that you do on a, on a shortened diagonal, like M to V, five flying changes every second stride. Then you go on a half circle and you have to give and retake the reins just on the half circle. Yeah. Then you turn back on that same size diagonal and you do your ones. Huh. But that is to show that the horse is in real self-carriage between the changes and it is not easy. Right, right. <laughs> oh, I know not, lots of horses with tons of energy in their changes. And, uh-huh. and this they want to kind be of, a tough thing to yeah, show that while kind of, you are teaching this young horse to do this, he still is ready to take the half hold, get back on his haunches after the twos, and and you know, accept 
uh, the, the half halt and stay in self carriage and get organized for the one. So that yeah. this is a, the, I, some of my students have tried this and I tried it myself and I would just said ah, that's that's quite a bike. It's difficult, and, but yeah. It's a good but it, exercise because yeah. it shows you what you need to do. Well, and that the horses can still be relaxed even when they're in the ring, right? We see lots of horses with right with tension and, and, and attentive. So that he hasn't buried you through the tooth and now he's out of control. Yes, yeah. <laughs> you know, and so he comes back, he sits, he waits, and then you have to do the work. It's not, that is not an easy movement. And, but it shows you a lot about the self-carriage or lack thereof. Right. And uh, then you have a little bit later, you have on the center line, you have a halt and rein back on the center line and then right into a medium trot. That used to be in another test way back but that also is a suppleness thing you know can you can you stop on the center line and rein back and then immediately go into a medium trot it's a matter of elasticity and engagement you know testing that so what was the process in coming up with these tests who you know like how do how do the fei tests get written and you know who who's involved in that in that process over the years different people different smart people like kadrina who uh, was, I guess, asked to help, and uh, really, I'm sure, with some advice from other people as well, but came up with these things, uh, who she's herself a writer, a long-time judge. And usually, it's, it's, for the FEI, it's a matter of one or two, two people presenting the test, and the committee looks it over, then we send it out to the stakeholders, mainly the riders, to take a look, and then they send back their comments, and then then you either vote it in or get rid of it. Right. So that was the process, you know. Right. And it's a little different in the United States where we have a whole big committee that puts together our tests, right. and that's part of our national research committee, our technical committee. They put together the tests, and they do that. They renew them and look look them over every, I think, four years. Yeah, I think it's about and four years. Yeah. Yeah, but it's the same process, just more people and more ideas, and then they all get together, they look it over, they really work on that to make it the best kind of a stepping stone for the horses to get to Grand Prix, which is always our ultimate goal. Every horse doesn't make it to Grand Prix, but that's the goal of every dressage rider. So, and, And all these tests, including these two new ones, are all supposed to be help on the way. It's like a work in progress, and then you go up one level and you try and try. You're not done until the horse is at the Grand Prix. I think it really does a good job of making sure that the the training of the horse is there's a guideline to to which to follow and to, you know, that, that as trainers that we have all of these tests to say this is how, you know, these are the steps in which to teach a horse to go all the way to Grand Prix. So I think it's really great that there's even some more intermediate steps to, to help with that and to, to give people the right idea. And, and like you said, with that movement with the, with the twos and the, you know, the giving of the reins and then doing the ones, making the, sure that the training is in the right way and in a, in a relaxed way. I think that's really um, that's really neat with these new these new tests how that how it does that how how it guides towards it. because there's always been that big jump between you know I I won and then all of a sudden the horse is supposed to be you know PFing in the spot and and you know doing the twos and the ones and you know on you know lots of them and and that's that's been hard so I think it uh, it helps horses and I think it helps trainers and I think that's really great yeah and the response from the the Riders in general, all over the world, has been very positive. Yeah, 
And yeah, so have you seen this? like to be reminded of the training scale as they go. You know, what's, right. what is the horse supposed to be, be able to do at this point? Right. <laughs> so, right. And that helps us in the training. Yeah, exactly. The more guidance there is from, from the FEI or from, you know, um, the judges, the, the easier it gets, I think. So, so there's no um, freestyle associated with a new test, is that correct? Nope. Mm-mm. No. And we are, well, oh, that's a whole difference. So I just came back from a freestyle symposium with Katrina, who was okay. trying to help workers yesterday. She gave one in, in Florida, and I'm sure she will give more. That is working mainly concentrating on the difficulty score. But the freestyle is a real work in progress as far as the judging goes. Right. And uh, we are, um, you know, hard at work to try to make that as the artistic side, the technical side is not a problem. The right. artistic side of the freestyle is as um, transparent to the, the riders and the, the spectators as possible. Uh, yes. And that is a really difficult thing to do. Because well, there's a been lot a, lot of that, of, a lot of discussion around this, you know. And I oh, think yeah. It's, and a lot of that is really has an, a way of becoming more subjective than anything else, uh, such as, you know, the, the difficulty choreography and the music. Those three things can become a, a strange area or, a, you know, like a foggy area for the riders and the spectators to understand how we get to that. And it is not easy to judge freestyle because no. now you have to have to understand that the, the judge has to, at the same time as they assess the technical of every moment, they have to, in the back of their mind, also think of how the choreography worked, uh, how difficult was it compared to the other the rides. And if you have, you know, 20 rides of freestyles, you do right. And then you have to also see how the music fits and how they interpreted it. That's a big job all at the same time. You know, your brain has to work in different, in different channels. And uh, the more help we can get to sort this out in a logical way that doesn't take away the artistic feel. Because even judges have a certain feel for judging. You know, yes. you don't want to take that out because then you might as well have computers and only care about the technical. Right. But right. if you want a right. judge to be a human being, you have to help them as much as possible with a program <laughs> that can really be accurate and at the same time leave something uh, for the evaluation of such things that you can't really touch, like presence um, and, and elasticity and how the whole combination looks together, you know, the ambiance of a horse, right. which is really the beauty of it. Yeah, I mean, that's what makes, you know, that takes, I think, for me, dressage beyond the level of just sport, but to that next level of that artistic and, and you know, beauty and beautiful horses and riding. And, and, and so you need, like you said, you can't have computers judge that. You need humans to be able to judge that. No, but that part, it's a very, very hard job. Yeah. Yeah, that part yeah. has to be subjective. And, but as much as possible, we try to make it clear how we arrive at the scores. And I think sorting out the difficulty to begin with, uh, with the help of computers and and numbers, is going to help. Yes, yes. Well, uh, we've seen lots of suggestions and ideas for, you know, developing the judging of the freestyle. So we'll have to see, you know, how it all works out. I think over the next, you know, few years, we're going to see 
um, some changes, some differences. And, uh, you know, I think what we have to not be afraid of is being scared of trying something new. I mean, you know, um, having having all this technology available to, to us, can I think, can help. So, um, yeah, we'll see how, we'll, we'll just have to see what happens, right, and how it develops. Yeah, well, we're working on it. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Well, thank you, Anne, so much for coming on the show with me tonight and, and filling in a, uh, you know, a few questions for our listeners and, and for myself um, you know, about these new levels. And we're, um, I'm really excited to go down to Florida and see you at the Global Dressage uh, Forum in North America. That sounds like, it sounds like it's going to be really great. So uh, I look forward to seeing you there. Well, me too. So I'll see you in the, uh, during the weekend. Excellent, excellent. Thank you again. Thank you so much. Well, this is a listener question from Vera that we have been trying to answer for the last month. So I'm glad we're going to get some time. This is a great question. And Philip, can you read the question for us? Okay. Um, actually, I was talking to Vera at a show last summer, and she um, discussed this topic with me. And you know what? It just kind of, I, I was, you know, not. Uh, I was in show mode, and then I totally kind of forgot about it, and I'm so glad that she wrote it. The question is, how to decide that the horse-rider combination is not compatible? When is the line between you should try harder and, uh, and this will never work out? Where is the line between those two things? How to prevent oneself from sinking into, I am no good as a rider, and and it's, you know... I mean, when we talk about... That's the that's question, so I'll just get a little bit to it here. Yeah, no, um, <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. But um, I, know, I know that we talk a lot as trainers about, you know, we should, we should always kind of blame the rider for all the problems. But I think Vera makes a good point that sometimes um, the combination is not all that compatible. So I guess we should just, you know, kind of discuss this a little bit. What are our thoughts on it? And, uh, and maybe you can get us, get us started, get us, get us going here, Reese. Sure. I mean, I think this is a great question. And this, this does happen. Absolutely. It happens not only with horses. I mean, well, there's a lot of different components to the horses. You know, there's your barn and your facility and your staff and the trainer and the rider. And, you know, there are times, and and I like to bring this back to thinking about when you were in school, there's times where you don't like a school that you go to. You just don't. And I can't imagine that horses and or riders don't feel the same way. So I think when you start thinking about it that way, there's a lot of things when a horse and rider combination look like they're not working, there's a lot of things you got to step back and you've got to evaluate because sometimes it is the horse just doesn't like the rider. I have had that happen where I have had absolutely no trouble with the horse. I've put other people on the horse and the owner comes to ride the horse and the horse pins its ears and he just, it's very obvious that that horse does not like that rider. It doesn't happen often, but it does happen. And I think sometimes, you know, you have to evaluate why maybe does that horse not like that rider? Is it something that we can fix? For example, is it the rider's, I don't know, just an example, bumpy hands or bumpy seat? Or does the horse not like, if the horse is a real kind of lazy horse, does it not like its type A rider? Or so there's there's a lot of different factors there on why people aren't compatible with horses. Um, you know, when it when I have that situation happen, I always check the tack. You know, does the saddle fit? Are they getting pinched? Uh, you know, uh, you've got to check all of those things. Has has a horse seen the vet? 
does that rider take enough time to bond with that horse? I think sometimes um, that's something that doesn't happen. You know, you don't spend some extra time with the horse. So sometimes that'll help if you bond. Um, I've had horse and rider combinations where I've had to think out of the box and bring in, uh, we have the Lexington Mounted Police and they come in and, and they do different exercises working with horse and rider from the ground, desensitization and, and lots of different things. So sometimes I'll bring them in and, and see if that kind of changes it up when, when the rider has to do something different with the horse. And, and, and so, so that's kind of my thing, Phil. I mean, I think that there's a lot of times when that's happening that you really have to stop and evaluate, um, you know, or, or does the horse not like the facility or does the horse not like the amount of turnout or, uh, you know, sometimes you got to switch it up a little to see what's happening. And, and I think sometimes though, it's just like a marriage. Sometimes it just isn't going to work. And I think that after you sort of exhausted all of that and maybe tried a trainer, maybe two trainers, you know, maybe then, then it is time maybe to sell that horse and, and move on for the horse and for the rider. What do you think, Phil? Yeah. I mean, I, I completely agree. I like it. You know, there's, their horses have personalities and, and, you know, people have personalities and sometimes they just clash. It doesn't mean that the rider is terrible or that the horse is terrible. It's just, it's just something that happens. It, um, you know, I, I think if it uh, if it's a problem that's newly developed, I think you have to look for the symptom. You know, like if there's if it's symptoms of an issue, but uh, otherwise, then um, you know you have to have you know a really good discussion with your trainer because you know they're your eyes on the ground and and are there to guide you and and have ideas and um, you know. But if you're feeling this way and you're not discussing it with anyone, that's that's a bit of a problem, right? So I think you know you shouldn't you, you can't always put all the blame on yourself. Um, for for sometimes these issues and and these problems and and that maybe you know the horse would be happier and you would be happier if the horse was a, a, with a different rider you know yeah um, and I think it's okay I, I think yeah, I, I think, think it's, it's okay I mean I think some people it's really devastating and 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 I've had horses that have come in for training that I've had to say listen you know maybe try another rider or two on them thinking maybe. Yeah. So I, even as trainers, sometimes we get horses in that just aren't going to work in the program. Sometimes they yeah. get clients in <laughs> that aren't <laughs> going to work in the program, but and, and I'm not working for them either. And I think as I've gotten maybe more mature in my training, you know, I've, I've recognized that I've learned that doesn't mean I'm a bad trainer. It doesn't mean that the person's a bad person or horse is bad. It's just maybe not the right chemistry or the right combination. And, you know, then certainly we try to do as much as we can to eliminate that. But, you know, I think sometimes that can happen. So um, to step back and it's nobody's fault. It's nobody trying to, to do anything. It's just not the right match. So, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, you know, if you say yourself, you know, given enough time and given a, a really good effort and you're having an open dialogue with your trainer about this, you know, maybe they can, you know, maybe the trainer can suggest a clinic to go to to say, you know what? We need some ideas. We need some different input. That's you know. That's why there's there is a, a family, a group, you know, a group of trainers mm -hmm. that you know, like I can, you know, I could talk to Reese about a particular problem and and saying like this is kind of what's going on. Reese, what do you what do you think about this? Or you know that you can look at a horse and rider combination for me and say, is it really like is this really not working? You know, just to just to get a third party perspective to get to to kind of you know give an idea about what's you know, what could help and, and, and when it is time to kind of 
move on and and you know break up as it were you know between horse and rider and and do your best to find that horse a person or a job some you know sometimes horses don't like dressage yeah right or or don't like jumping i mean it, it yeah. yeah or don't like jumping or or you know they, i think we have to be responsible enough to to think about the health and mental welfare of the horse to to find the right training or the right job or that that everybody's going to be happy and so you know uh, i think if if you're talking about you know years of having this kind of issue that's that's way 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 too long and nobody's gonna nobody's having a great time so i think you know you got to figure these things out within the span of months to to uh, get things on the right track you know exactly. not spin your tires too long and and waste a lot of you know a lot of time and a lot of money too it's, yeah it's not cheap absolutely. right no it's, it's not, not cheap. cheap to be getting lessons and lessons and nothing's going anywhere and everybody's frustrated um you know creative ideas try and figure mm-hmm. it out different perspectives yeah, do your best to make everybody happy, you know? And then I think that sort of moves us into the second part of that question, which is kind of when do you know, you know, that, that maybe this horse, it's not, that it's too hard or it's not just the rider. And I think that there does become a point with some horses where um, it maybe is too hard. You know, it's just like um, I can train and train and train, but I am not going to be an Olympic sprinter. It's right. just not going to happen. I mean, I could... I could attempt it and I could train really hard, but I am not going to make it to the Olympics as a runner. uh, If anybody see me run, I'm just not. And, and I think that I always approach it with my students to think about, you know, athletes, you've got your elementary school athlete, then you have your middle school athlete, then you have your high school athlete, your college athlete, your pro athlete, and then your elite pro, which is the Olympic team athlete. And, you know, it, it, I played basketball in middle school. I was not good enough to play basketball in high school, you know, and, and I think it's the same with horses. You really have to say, okay, you know, I think there's natural progressions in training, you know, can I get that, this horse to second level? Can I get this horse to fourth level? Will this right. horse be an FEI horse? Right. Right. And I, yeah, I mean, I think there's just times where the horse, and it's not, and it's not a bad, it's not bad. It's just, what is the limit of that horse and when does it become, you know, pushing that horse physically over what they're capable of doing. And, right. you know, when I hung yeah, up my basketball career, yeah, I mean, I hung up my basketball <laughs> career cause I knew that I wasn't going to be able to do it <laughs> yeah. or without massive training. And, and, you know, I mean, and it wasn't fun for me anymore. I, I wanted yeah, to ride horses. Exactly. Exactly. You know, when every, you know, when every little thing becomes this huge effort, then it's not that much fun for a horse or, or a rider. So, yeah, you know, be creative, try and figure it out, you, you know, and again, you know, seek a professional for, mm-hmm. for lots of advice because, um, and you know, not, we don't all have the right answers, but we try and, we try and figure it out and, and uh, try a few different things and, and get a couple of opinions. It's great that, you know, you send your question in to us and, and we can, you know, give you a little bit of information and a little bit what we think. Um, yeah. You know, there's a lot of avenues now, right? With, with Oh, um, absolutely. And I think, I think the other thing that we haven't mentioned is, is listen to your horse. You know, listen yeah. to your horse. If you listen to them, they will tell you. I think sometimes we get blocked with our own dreams and ambitions and, oh, I just need one more score. And the horse says, I just can't do it or, or whatever. I think if you really listen to your horse, they'll tell you what they can do and what they can't do. Um, 
you know, and, and a lot of evaluation and, and, and training. And like I said, sometimes trainers, I'll call Philip when I have an issue and I'll, I'll send him a video and say, Hey, what do you think? And, you know, there's again, lots of avenues. Um, and, and, but at the end of the day, you know, think about it as horses are athletes, we're athletes. And, um, it's, it's like as an athlete, if you want to step it to up to the pre-St. George level, there is a level of fitness and commitment that you have to do and, and all that good stuff. And it's the same for the horses. Um, but they aren't out there for fun sometimes. Sometimes right. they're out there because right. we're asking them to in their good souls and they do it. So so that's that's sort of well, my two cents. Hopefully, yeah, yeah. hopefully, Vera, that helps you answer your question or anybody else that's kind of in, a, in that kind of situation. You can... Uh, um, you know, you got to be creative sometimes, I think. Yeah. And if uh, we can always, you know, send your listener questions. We love these. These This is a great topic to discuss, and we love any time we can to help. Yeah, so and send uh, we've had listeners send us video, and we've kind of looked at video and, and try, you know, try to give our little, you know, our best opinion on what's what's going on in the video. So that's also another option. You know, with all this great technology, we can really stay in touch and stay close and, and talk about this stuff. So Exactly. Well, Phil, this was a great show, and I can't wait. I'll see you this weekend on Thursday, and yeah. we're going to have lots of great stuff to tell our listeners. And I'm excited about, for sure, the sun and some shopping and, um, <laughs> and seeing some great training. Some education. Yeah, yeah. it's going to be a great fun. So can't wait to, to t- show everybody. Keep an eye on our Facebook page. We'll post some pictures as the weekend goes through. And um, you can find our show notes and links to today's guest on our website, dressageradio.com. Like us on Facebook, just search Dressage Radio Show. You can follow us on Twitter at Horse Radio. My website is maplecrestfarmky.com, and my email is reese at horseradionetwork.com. You can find me at philipparksequestrian.com, and my email is philip at horseradionetwork.com. I'd like to thank our sponsors this week for allowing us to put on a great show. And don't forget to check out all the other shows on the Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. And everybody, happy Valentine's Day. That's this week. I hope you have a wonderful Valentine's Day with your partner. And for sure, give your horses extra kisses and cookies from us here at the Horse Radio Network. <laughs> and uh, everybody, keep your heels down and your shoulders back. And we'll talk to you.